Hello, everyone. Uh, <clears throat> I'm excited uh, to be here uh, to be giving this message today, and I'm equally terrified. Uh, so, uh, your grace would be appreciated. Um, and yeah, just to give some sort of context for uh, a lot of the new people here today, uh, for this past summer, uh, we've more or less kind of been going over this series called Practical, uh, which kind of explains itself. It's an emphasis on um, learning what are some practical ways in which we're able to live out our faith. And so for the first two weeks, at least of July, uh, it's been about uh, waiting. And so waiting in our prayers when promises um, and our prayers don't seem to be being answered, as well as um, the next week was waiting in long uh, seasons of our time or long periods of our time where uh, we're just wondering where is God and what is he, uh, what is he doing. Last week was on uh, prayer and how um, to be a people of God means um, that we seek to be humble. We don't seek to do the big things, but we have to be faithful to little things, being faithful in prayer and desiring to spend time with God. And um, today, as mentioned before, uh, it will be to remember and respond. And so uh, the one thing uh, that I want to go over for uh, today's sermon, if there's anything that you remember from this, is that we must uh, continually remember the reconciling work of God that he has done, that he is currently doing, they're currently doing it, and we must respond accordingly. And the three points that I want to make for today is to remember the bad, to remember Christ, and to respond. Uh, and so um, if we could just pray uh, before we go into the sermon, before we, uh, we read the passage. Um, yeah, let, uh, I'll just pray for us. Uh, dear Lord, no, we thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, we uh, pray that um, yeah, you would be with us here. Uh, and that uh, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to listen to your word. And if nothing else, God, may your word speak for itself. And uh, Lord, may, uh, may you help us you know, to love you more. God, may you help us to remember the love that you have for us. And would you help us to be able to uh, respond by being more like your son. God, by respond by living out a life that is seeking to glorify you. So Lord, we thank you for all that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, and so for the first point, uh, I want to point out if this will let me, um, to remember the bad. And so I'm just going to reread uh, verses 11 and 12 for us. Uh, Therefore, remember at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hand. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And so uh, what is the big deal with uncircumcision, with circumcision? Because um, nowadays, uh, circumcision is kind of done more so out of like tradition. It's done more for health reasons. But then in other countries, um, it's not being done as much. There's uh, studies for and against. But uh, at least in this passage, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. And the church is really young. Uh, and back then, the, the was it? Circumcision had a very strong um, sort of uh, symbolism behind it. And if you want to look into it a little bit more, in Genesis 17, um, you can read it uh, more clearly for yourself, but for the sake of the sermon, I'm going to summarize it. Uh, God creates this covenant with Abraham uh, that God would um, uh, make Abraham the father of a multitude of nations, that he would make him exceedingly fruitful, that he would, that kings and different nations would come from him, and that uh, God would give land uh, to Abraham and his offspring. And the condition for this was that uh, every male had to be circumcised, regardless of whether they were born into the family or whether they were bought, um, and just whoever at that time, uh, and whoever wasn't circumcised would be cut off due to breaking the covenant, right? And so this is uh, a bit of a big deal because practically, right, it's not modern medicine. Uh, there's no sedatives. Um, the foreskin is a sensitive area. And so it's a big deal, right? It's, it's a physical mark, but this is the physical mark that is given to us, or that, uh, that God uh, commands uh, for Abraham and his people. 
And so uh, the Jewish people held this in very high regard. They would disagree and they would argue about a lot of things. But circumcision was one of these things where they knew that if to be Jewish was to be circumcised, uh, and that that was a key, such a key thing for them. And so when Paul is talking to the people in Ephesus, um, they are the Gentiles or the uncircumcision, right? And to give a little bit of perspective for how uh, the Jewish people viewed those who are uncircumcised or viewed the Gentiles, who pretty much were just anyone who wasn't Jewish. Um, there's a theologian named William Barclay, and in his uh, commentary about Ephesians, he writes, The Jew had an immense contempt for the Gentile. The Gentiles, said the Jews, were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. God, they said, loves only Israel of all the nations that he had made. It was not even lawful to render help to a Gentile mother in her hour of sorest need, for that would be to simply bring another Gentile into the world. Uh, until Christ came, the Gentiles were an object of contempt to the Jews. And the barrier between them was absolute. If a Jewish boy married a Gentile girl, or if a Gentile, or if a Jewish girl married a Gentile boy, the funeral of that Jewish boy or girl was carried out. Such contact with the Gentile was the equivalent of death. Right? And so this is a big deal, right? For when they were called the uncircumcision, this is the amount of contempt that the Jewish people had for the Gentiles, right? It's very dramatic. The fact that they would hold a funeral, right, for death, and to think that a certain people was made solely so that hell would exist and the fires of hell would be lit from it, right? This is immense hatred and contempt of the highest regard. Right? And so this is, this is once, uh, what they once were, right? And to add to that in verses 12, what we see is um, they were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to covenant of promise, no hope, no God. And so... Um, in the same way that in the States today, uh, if you are not a U.S. citizen, you cannot vote. Um, if you are not born in the U.S. or, uh, or born on U.S. territory, um, you cannot run for the office of president. There are certain rights that are given to the people of that country. Right? And so the people of Ephesus, or those who are the Gentiles, did not have the rights uh, before God that the Jewish people had. Uh, and it also mentions that they are strangers of the covenants of promise. Right? And so... Uh, in the way that God created that covenant or that promise agreement with Abraham, uh, there's other covenants that come, uh, more well-known ones such as with Isaac, with Jacob, and with David, many of which um, for Isaac and Jacob is that they would both have offspring, many offspring, uh, that there would be land for him and his offspring, and that nations and families of the earth will be blessed uh, through their offspring. With Jacob, uh, there's an additional point that God says that he'll be with them wherever they go and that he will not leave them. For David, uh, the covenant that God creates with him uh, is that ultimately Jesus would be the one that would come from uh, David's lineage. And so with all these covenants, with all these promises, they are only for uh, Isaac, Jacob, David, and their offspring. Right? It's only for the Jewish people. And so the Gentiles, they had no right to any of this. They were strangers to it. They were without hope and without God. And so um, this is where... And so the command... Um, in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, it's, uh, you know, Paul mentions that uh, we're dead in our trespasses, and he mentions what God has done. But then it starts in verse 11 with, therefore remember. Right? And so for us here today, um, what do we remember from this? The context is a little bit different, right? But there are, um, but to remember where were we, right, before um, that moment or that time when God met us, right? What hope did we have? Um, and where were we, and we're, you know, uh, for the Gentiles and for the uh, for the uncircumcised, this is what the condition that they once were. And seeing as how most of us are Korean or Korean American, we are not of the Jewish people. We are all once Gentiles, right? And yet, this message, um, it, we are called to remember this time. We right? called to remember when we did not have hope, when we did not have God, when we were apart from all these things, right? And so, in our lives today, 
Uh, maybe for a lot of us, there is a moment that you remember that it's like, oh, I believed in God and like, you know, my life went from there. For some of us, it was just a more faithful, just over a period of time. You don't remember when, but you just realized, oh yeah, I believe in this. I believe in the good news. Um, but before then, or even now, if you're going through a hard time where it feels as though God is not there or Christ is not there, right? What are, um, to, to remember these times when God is not, when God does not seem to be present. And so, uh, there's a call for us to remember the bad, right? Where were we before God? Um, but it doesn't just stop there because you can go into dark places if all you remember is the bad and if all you remember is the suffering, but it continues on, right? And so for my second point, we go to, uh, verses 13 through 18. Uh, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Right? And so we are not the ones that are going to God. We are not the ones that are bringing ourselves, but it's passive verb, right? The subject is that you who were once off, once were far off, which is all of us, uh, the blood of Christ is the one that is bringing us near to it, right? So even our involvement is not really much because God's, Christ is the one that did the work that's doing the work. Um, and, it continues on. For he himself is our peace, right? Who has made us both one and broken in his flesh, dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the commandments, expressing the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. Uh, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God. Uh, in place of the two, so making peace, or in one body through the cross, my bad, uh, thereby killing the hostility. All right, so what we see here is Christ is the one who is the peace and he makes us into one, right? He's making, so he does not make the Gentiles into Jews, right? But the Gentiles and the Jews are both being created, right? There's a new creation, right, that comes forth from this, uh, that God is doing by breaking down this wall of hostility, right? And so the context here is for the Gentiles and the Jews, right? But even in a modern-day context, um, this passage is used for a lot of, like, racial reconciliation. It's used in terms of the personal place of, um, of hostility that we were at be, uh, before Christ um, did this work. And so... We are, um, so yeah, we are, uh, so Christ is the one that is actively doing this work. He's abolished, uh, and he abolishes the law by living the perfect life, right? He is fulfilling all the promises and all the laws of, um, of the ones of, that were created in the Old Testament. And he is the one that is bringing us close to God. He is our peace, right? He does not simply give peace, but he makes peace. He is our peace, right? That we have so that we might be reconciled to God through the cross, right? And you no, know, through the cross where uh, Jesus dies, right? He takes on the weight of sin. And, um, yeah, and therefore we have the righteousness of Christ. When God views us, he sees us not as um, sinful people, but he views us um, with the righteousness of his son, right? And we can be with him. And um, to continue on, right, he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, right? And so in this context, too, um, generally, I'm big on semantics, and so I would think that all of us are far off on some level, right? But a way that we can view this is uh, for those who are far off in today's context are people that we look at and, like, silently in our hearts, we kind of judge and we're just kind of like... Yeah, you're not going to heaven. Or like, mm, like uh, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, but Christ preached peace right, to people who are far off in that way. Right? And another way, to those who are near. Right? Maybe for those who grew up in the church. Right? For those who were told, oh, you're such a good kid by so many people. Right? The amount of peace that is required um, is the same for both who are far off. Right? And is preached for the people who are far off and for us who are near um, to this point. And so um, this is, uh, there is peace right, for both of us. And uh, through him, uh, we both have access and one spirit to the Father. And so, again, it is only through Christ, right, that we have this. Uh, for the Gentiles and the Jews, this is a new creation that's being made, right? Now the uh, promises and whatnot are given to us. 
to to all the people uh, included and alike, and uh, we are we are here. And so, um, in in today's context, right? Is there uh, again? This was for the Gentiles and the Jews, but for us, are there uh, disputes or are there conflict that we have with different people in our lives, right? Or is there conflicts that we have with different uh, demographics of people? Um, and um, Right? There, there may be some, and it's hard, but uh, the good news that we have is that as Christ has come to break down these walls of hostility, um, it is uh, for the Gentiles and for the Jews, for us it is also the same. Christ has broken down these walls. Right? And so, um, in some sense, we have the, uh, we are allowed to, or Christ has killed the hostility, for, so for us, right, we seek to live that out, right? So we are not hostile to different people, right? but uh, the good news is available for all. And, uh, yeah, and so, why do I want to focus on remembering the bad and remembering Christ? Um, when I was uh, in Korea, uh, I taught English uh, in, in my junior year. <laughs> Sorry. And um, I remember uh, when I taught different lessons to my students, uh, they would understand that same day, and they would be able to apply a lot of what they had learned. But then the next day, they forgot everything. Right? And I thought I was a great teacher because they all understood that same day. But the next day, I was like, I'm the worst teacher because they understand nothing. Right, and I term, uh, and the what I was taught as well as what I had to do was to be able to repeat the the lessons that I had gone through. Right, was to be able to go through and remind them daily. Right, and so then they had a slightly better grasp of the different words that were being taught and how to use them. And I think in our same way, right, if we do not remember the central message, if we do not remember where we once were, and then from that, uh, not just focusing on that, but and then. We have to remember, ultimately, again and again, right, that we were once in this place of hostility, right? But now, because of Christ, what Christ has done, not because of what we have done, right, we are in this place where the hostility is no longer there, right? And different peoples, uh, with us and God personally, we have um, that connection, right? And we can go through them in one spirit. And so, uh, now, how do we respond? Right, we see in verses 19 to 22, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the holy temple and the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so, again, because we are no longer strangers uh, to the covenant of promise, because we are no longer alienated, Right by the Commonwealth of Israel, we now have the rights that were uh, that were once given only to the Jews. Um, we are able to share right in those promises. We are able to share in uh, in and having the rights right in the kingdom of God, and we are able to. And we are fellow citizens, right? We with all the people in the household of God that are being built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, and so. Um, with many of those who have come before us, right? Uh, for the people of Ephesus, because the church is still young, the foundation is literally just the apostles that started the church, as well as uh, the prophets that have come in the Old Testament. And for us, there's many people, um, generally seem to who seem to be older, but just people um, in our lives in general. Um, our faith is where we are today because of the foundation that was laid upon the people that came before us. Um, and so I think... Um, one way to respond from this is to be able to learn, right? Whether they're historic figures, whether they're people in our lives um, that we know who are just, maybe like last week, they're just the faithful people who are praying. But they're the ones that have uh, that God has used to be able to build this foundation. And, um, of course, at the center of all of this, right, Christ himself is our cornerstone, right? And God is uh, building um, this, this people, growing us together to be a holy temple for the Lord, um, and a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And 
so again, the original context, Gentiles and the Jews, right? No, there, the wall of hostility is no longer there, right? And so there is this call to reconcile. There is this call for those two to be able to become one people, right? So since this promise is available for all, and hopefully I'm not using this out of context, but in Mark 3, uh, there is um, uh, a situation where um, Jesus is casting out demons, and the Pharisees try to corner him, and they say, um, they, they try to say that he is Beelzebub, who is the prince of demons, and it's only because you have command over the demons that you can cast them out. And Jesus looks at them, and uh, in the David Beck version, he <laughs> is like, that's not how this works, right? This does not work that way. In the actual uh, text, uh, it says that the kingdom um, divided against itself cannot stand, right? A house divided against itself cannot stand. Um, and so if Christ, if, if God through Christ is building this, uh, this holy temple for the Lord, then uh, people, his people who are fighting, his people who are in conflict, who cannot reconcile, it must happen, right? Because the house um, that is divided against itself cannot stand. And this is God's perfect and holy temple that he is building um, before them. And so uh, for us, right, the, the way that we might respond, if, if that is the case, if we are in conflict with a people group or with a demographic, if we are in conflict with people personally, is that there has to be, uh, there is that we must reconcile. And it's not the easiest of things. Um, by you know, Forgiveness is a hard thing, and reconciliation is a harder thing. Right, but that call is there. As Christ has broken down the hostility that were once as um, big between the Gentiles and the Jews, right, where one people only existed right, to be fueled for the fires of hell, there, everyone is now included right, in this promise and to be a holy temple for the Lord. And so um, for, for a sermon series called Practical, the sermon is not very practical. It's not very specific, at least in what we can do practically. But what we must do is that we must be able to remember right, where were we before God came? Right. Where were we? We were this people who were the Gentiles. We had no promise. We had no hope. We had nothing. Right? But then what happens? But then we must remember this good news that God has come. He has broken down the walls of hostility. He has come and he has um, allowed us right, to, be, uh, to be one people right, and to have that access to God. And lastly, we must respond um, in a way, uh, in, in an appropriate manner. Right? And so if there is a conflict to reconcile, right? if there is um, uh, a need to remember those who came before us and to learn from them, right? to be able to respond in that manner, um, or just uh, being able to find people who will remind us that, yes, we are sinful people, but yes, this is what God has done, right? and be able to grow in our understanding and our knowledge of that. Um, and so, um, yeah, with that, that ended a lot close, uh, a lot faster than I thought it would. But um, hopefully in this heat, uh, some of y'all might enjoy that. Um, and so with that, uh, why don't we just take some time, uh, an extended period of time to be able to pray. Um, and to take an appropriate amount of time to be able to remember, right, where were we before Christ came, right? Um, where was that we were a people who had no hope, we were people who had nothing, right? It is a dark time, it is a bad place, right? It is a bad thing, but we must remember that, right? For the good news to be there, right? That, um, that God in the reconciling work that he did in the way that he has created us to be together with God. Um, yeah, we must remember that and then we must respond accordingly or in an appropriate manner, right? Whether it's seeking reconciliation, whether it is uh, learning from people. So why don't we take some time to pray about that and then, uh, yeah, we'll be done.
uh, just pray, Father, that uh, that the words spoken today, Lord, um, would be whatever that you had in store for us, God, that we would be able to just um, take away, Lord God, just everything and only that was of you. Um, Father, we thank you, God, for just um, simple yet just powerful word. Um, and God, that we may just be able to, um, with this, Lord, just be able to continue to know and remember, Lord God, just how always you just have been so good to us um, before, even now and, and always. Um, so, Lord, um, would you yeah, just um, continue to work in our hearts and um, allow us to just be able to continue to receive, Lord, everything that you have in store for us. God, that we may be able to surrender, Lord God, just all of our anxieties and any of our worries, Lord God, to you and to know, Father, that you always you always remember us and that you always have us in the palm of your hands. So, God, um, I thank you again for your word today, and we thank you for our brother David. And God, um, yeah, would you just still and continue to just be worshipped, Lord God, at this time. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.